You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Whoa. All right, man, we made it. We made it to a three-day weekend. And folks, if you're like me, you circle these things on your calendars far in advance and you know you're getting that extra day. Whatever you're doing this weekend, I hope it's phenomenal. Uh, unfortunately, my staycation's coming to an end, but I had a wonderful week. And to cap it off, we've got part two of a wonderful interview series. If you haven't listened to part one of our State of the FS Union with Ingram Smith of the Knollcast, hit pause, go to yesterday's episode, and start off with part one. If you have listened to part one, well, then sit back and enjoy part two coming at you. And once you finish listening to part two, make sure you go to the Locked On ACC podcast where Drake will be co-hosting it with Candace Cooper of the Locked On Tar Heels podcast. They do a phenomenal program. They're going to talk about their outlook for the conference this year, who they think will win. And if I know Drake, I think he's going to uh, throw some shade in the right direction and give us a take that uh, we'll like. So without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to me. Drake, and Mr. Ingram Smith for part two of our state of the FS Union. Let's talk about the players. We talked about the players going out, the mass exodus. Let's talk about the players coming in. So we now have nine guys that have transferred in who we are dubbing the Immortals. You know, like in the movie 300, the Immortals come in. Um, We've got Mackenzie Milton, Jermaine Johnson, and now we've got Dylon, the big transfer from – Notre Dame, to name a few. So in your opinion, do you see these transfers more as Mike Norvell understanding the importance of winning early and just saying, hey, we want to plug the holes and win? Or do you think it's, you know, he picked guys that he thinks will help, you know, revamp the culture more quickly? Like, what do you think is going to be the main benefit of this cadre of transfers? I think they're... um... I think for the most part, they're kind of stop gaps. Uh, I wonder if they had to do it all over again, if, if they wouldn't have just taken Jamie Robinson to defensive back. I, I think they might've been a little quick on the trigger there with, with the McClellan kid. And, you know, maybe there's a situation where they can, you know, defer his enrollment or, or maybe more can come in on some kind of in-state deal. I don't know. Uh, but I think if they had to do it again, they, they might've been a little more, hesitant with what they offered uh at the back of the defense i think jermaine johnson probably best player on your on your roster as a defender immediately uh keir thomas while not as you know necessarily as good as johnson as a guy that is kind of desperately needed and helps to raise the the floor of that position group uh parchment i'm a little bit uh a little bit hesitant and fully you know believe in a guy that uh, had a really good year his first year out there in kansas uh suffered from some kind of wildly inconsistent quarterback play and, and had a kind of a disappointing follow-up year. So uh, we'll be interesting to see what he can do in his final year of eligibility. I know that people aren't wild on DJ Williams. Um, I just think you got some time there. If you, you're confident in what you can do as a program and developing a kid and, and uh, you know, if it works out great, if it doesn't, okay. But uh, yeah. you know, that kid's tape against LSU is a, a different level of tape than anybody else you have on your roster. Now I realize that was kind of a one hit wonder from him from a career standpoint, but you know, there's certainly 
hard, hard proven fact as to what he could potentially be. So uh, yeah, I think most of these kids are kind of, you know, help you to bridge the gap of where you're bringing in high school kids that are, you know, far more talented than this. And uh, you know, maybe in time Florida state begins to get players of a little bit higher level uh, from the transfer portal. I, I do think Florida state's uniquely positioned, I could see them being more involved in the portal than, you know, most of their program uh, peers, uh, both because they're in, you know, Northern Florida and you got all these Florida kids, South Georgia kids wanting to, you know, play their final year or final two years in a place closer to home. And, uh, you know, I, I think Florida state's in a better place in recruiting. I still don't know if they are able to go and get, you know, massive four and five-star offensive tackles and stuff like that. I think there may be areas of the roster that over a three, four, five-year period of time, you find yourself leaning on a little bit more heavily than others when it comes to your approach in the portal. No, definitely. I, you know, I, I think the portal is so interesting. You know, one of the sort of the working theories that Drake and I had um, and Dave, our, our, our other co-hosts was that, you know, it's, it's encouraging to see really talented, older portal guys being brought in by Norvell. Cause I, I almost wonder if his message resonates a little better with older guys, you know, and it's easier to say, look, I know we won three games, but let's, you know, talk man to man here. And he resonates well, whereas maybe high school kids do get a little more caught up in what have you done on the field lately? Um, also just as a side note, you know, DJ Williams, I think that that's probably the one I'm most excited about, uh, obviously McKenzie Milton, but you know, I, DJ Williams, I, I even thought in the spring game, he showed us a lot. I mean, it's basically like we get Webb back, but he's an extra two inches taller and like mm-hmm. 20 pounds yeah, heavier. Yeah, 20 pounds thicker in the middle. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for what he can do. I actually think he could be a, a pretty dynamic weapon. Um, so, yeah, do you, I guess I guess kind of my question about that is just like Mike Norvell's bringing in these stop gaps. He's got eight or nine guys. You know, he's he's talked about the reform of the roster let's say KZ starts all the hype do you think that that takes away some excuse making for Norvell like you know he can't be like oh we have this young roster it's like well half of your starters are like you know transfers that you got in here yeah yeah and I do think they uh they didn't necessarily cook the books but they were doing some selective rostering (laughs) and uh in that claim that they were the youngest team in the country or whatever whatever that was that was being thrown around out there uh last year um yeah, I mean, I think I think there is a section of the fan base that will look at this as a year one, uh, but most people are, will expect progress, and, and you're not going to be able to necessarily lean on, um, you know, this. you were able to sign a, a class last year. Granted, conditions weren't fantastic for you to kill it, but you got a lot of your own kids in. You, f- you filled the, you know, the gaps uh, with some of these transfer portal kids. I think you're going to have a hard time claiming you know youth on this year's team now maybe you can say that the the level of talent's not there which is easier for me to say behind a podcast microphone than a a head coach uh, behind a podium uh, when he has to look at his kids the next day Um, but I think you're gonna have a hard time blaming youth Uh, I think you know you can maybe still talk to some aspects of this this fan base about uh, you know what the cupboard you inherited and that it's a progress and that there's a broader transformation going on uh, but yeah, people will expect to see some type of results. And, uh, at the same time, it's a really tough schedule and not necessarily, uh, you know, the, the schedule that you want to have proven, uh, proven improvement. 
so then I guess with this injection of talent, like, I mean, we can see it before. I think the blueprint for a successful team for that has this high number of transfers is the University of Coral Gables down in Miami. And with them from last year, they brought in Derek King. They brought in Jalen Phillips, Bell Bolton the year before, Quincy Roche, Jerry Williams, just name a few. Do you expect, like, I guess, what are your expectations for our transfers to come in? Do you expect it to be similar to what happened in Miami? Do you expect it to be better or do you expect it to be worse? Because they did improve from 6-7 and seven and 2019 to 8-3 last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were uh, – look, if you if you get a quarterback and a quarterback finds his feet, then that that changes the whole the whole game. Um, I don't think Miami would have been, uh, you know, much to write home about at all uh, with the head king not kind of found his footing there and given that program solidity and, you know, a level of confidence that they haven't had in a, a decent amount of time. At the same time, they found a way to kind of piss it away and have a somewhat meaningless year – uh, so good on you, Miami, but, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but if, if McKenzie gets his, you know, feet firmly underneath him and this is a fan base that's looking at eight wins at the end of the year, maybe flirting with stealing ninth or something like that, then, oh. uh, yeah, that could be, you know, I, I do think if there's one position that can, that can change your, your tides is quarterback position. I just don't know that McKenzie Milton and his skill set uh, is, necessarily going to have the opportunity to have that kind of transformative season with the offensive line that he's playing behind. So uh, King King would have been a much better fit, for example. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you have the pieces that you have. It'd be interesting to see how they do. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, if you get the right kid in the portal and a quarterback in particular, it can, it can certainly change things. So then are you, you know, where, where do you fall then on the KZ hype train? You know, I know there's a lot of like, kind of like we've already in some people's minds, like had his coronation. Um, in fact, some outlets have sort of pushed him all the way down. You know, maybe Travis is like our third string, you know, under, which I think is, you know, utter blasphemy. Don't say that in Doe Campbell or you may, uh, you may burst into flames, but uh, where, so where are you on the, on the KZ hype train? I know you said it might be a little tough with the offensive line, but do you think he's probably our best option at quarterback or are you still kind of waiting to see what fall camp produces? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've got to wait and see because the, you know, the reports in this one, this wasn't just, uh, you know, people trying to push a particular narrative. I mean, the, he didn't have a great series of practices really, uh, had two before the game where he had a, a decent little uptick and then the game was his best setting. I am uh, hyper, <laughs> hyper hesitant about taking anything away from spring games. Now, now what you can take away is the, the little 10 yard burst that he had out there or whatever, you know, kid felt comfortable putting his foot in the ground, planting it and exploding. And it looked fairly natural. He's probably never going to be the quarterback that he was from, from 2018, but that's understood, but it did, you know, that much, I think you can be really hopeful from, but spring games are just, man, the lack of, uh, you know, the disparity in talent as to individual matchups and who you're facing and spring game is such normally such a vanilla package that's there that, uh, you know, anybody with a decent football IQ, I think can manipulate spring game settings in a manner that, uh, you know, can really kind of skew what you see. So, uh, I'm, I'm still very much in a, a wait and see, and, uh, hopefully that was the light that flicked on and, and, uh, Milton goes on to do great things, but, uh, going to have to be in a, a, a setting that better translates to a game for me to start to have significant levels of confidence of that. 
Hey folks, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to take a minute and remind y'all that once you're done here with this phenomenal interview, to go check out the Locked On ACC podcast, where Drake and Candace Cooper will be talking about who they think will win the conference. Now, the good news is the conference odds are already up at betonline.ag, so you can take their insight, pair it with your own knowledge, and go ahead and place your bets on who you think will win the ACC this year. Go to betonline.ag, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON. I mean, that's that's good to hear because, I mean, like, I am one of those people that Max kind of alluded to earlier that I kind of already have given KZ the, you know, I've already crowned him because, like, basically I was, my brother went to UCF during his entire, you know, tenure there. And just, like, watching the spring game, too, as well, I thought he had the better day of the two, especially that long, long pass to Malik McLean down the middle. Mm-hmm. So then, I know, judging from spring games, our defense when we were there actually did look pretty decent. So from this past year, uh, which one of the coaches on the staff for you personally was kind of your highlight or your shining star? Which one will get the Ingram Smith, you know, seal of approval? And on the opposite, which one of you, which one of them, besides Adam Fuller, I think we can just, you know, attest to him that we both are kind of the same page with that. Besides Don Fuller, who would you actually, you know, basically be saying he has on, like, on a tightrope regarding security? Yeah. So when I said this, I was uh, when they when the hires were made, I was uh, super bullish from day one on Alex Atkins. Uh, and that dude has only, you know, done things that I didn't think he could do um, from a positive standpoint, both in on field development and in recruiting. He's, he's uh, he seems to have a pretty significant kind of straightforward rapport with kids on the recruiting trail that uh that lends itself really well i mean he's he's pretty he's not quite like the rick trickett who would you know dog cuss you as a recruit but he's fairly upfront with what his expectations are and uh and how he thinks you can fit into the plans and be developed etc cetera, etc cetera. and that that by all accounts plays really well, certainly has. As far as a disappointment, I mean, I, again, I don't want to bash a guy, but uh, I think you need to start seeing more production and better success on the field from your recruiting um, at linebacker. I mean, it's just has not been there and you're losing some battles that are, Hey, look, uh, you know, you can say that uh, Georgia tech told the kid he might play safety or whatever the hell uh, Florida state doesn't need to be losing four-star linebackers from, from South Georgia to Georgia tech. That's just not, if you're going to be successful at Florida state, that formula does not uh, exist. Now, is that a one-off? Uh, we'll see. We'll just have to see, but that's a, you know, something that makes me uh, turn an eye and it, except it hasn't really been a one-off. There's been other situations where Florida state hasn't done well at that position, but uh, we'll see. A, uh, we'll see what it looks like. A legacy to Michigan, maybe something. something Jade too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it needs to be better. I actually, you know, Ingram, Drake will tell you, I know I'm kind of winding off, but you know, I'm not the big recruiting guy, but that was like the one time with a recruit. I'm just like, how are you losing a legacy like this to freaking Michigan? Who's proven they're never going to beat Ohio state. Mm-hmm. And like, they'll get, you know, they'll have like the ugliest looking 10 win season every year. So Harbaugh stays, but they're never going to win anything of consequence. And that, I think that to me was, and we're going to get to kind of how you've felt about Norvell's tenure, but that was the one moment where I was like, that's just one. You cannot have that happen. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't. That's uh, that's one of the few, you know, unique pieces that you really had a chance with uh, at that 
position and you desperately needed whether he was going to be a defensive end, whether he was going to be a linebacker, it doesn't matter. You needed that kid to sign with you. And and uh it didn't didn't take place, obviously. So uh again, it's a, am I calling for the guy's head? No, not necessarily, but uh there is a little bit of a disturbing track record with success at linebacker on the recruiting trail. I mean, now the big thing, I mean, he didn't even go to Michigan like Max. He actually went to Maryland, which it kind of actually stung even worse. And no, I'm right. I'm right there with you. We had Trey on um, about a few weeks ago to discuss the same thing with Chris Marvin. He, I was kind of with the one saying like, I need to see more from recruiting. Cause I think that the, you spoke with Jaron Willis, you know, going over to Georgia tech, Jaden hood, not coming down here. Who apparently we were leading on for. So yeah, I think Chris Marv, I'm kind of right there with you because I mean, Odell's kind of on the way out a little bit. I don't expect, you know, much more from him. I, I just want him to develop our DTs. John Papuchis, I mean, he does defensive ends, but also the special teams, which was one of our shining bright spots. So, no, I think I agree with you with Chris Marv being kind of like the uh, the one that needs to pick it up a little bit more. Yeah, Pooch is a real good recruiter, too. Um, so, need to give him credit for that. He's uh, he's done a real good job. Do you – do you? because I know it's a totally different ballgame, transfers versus, um, versus actual recruits, but – do the, the immortals bringing those guys in, does that give you confidence in Norvell's recruiting ability at all? Does that, or does it just not change your opinion at all because it's, you know, transfers are different. Um, both to an extent. I mean, transfers are different. I normally, uh, whether correctly or not associate uh, success on the transfer market a, a little, or the transfer portal. It's not a transfer market. Uh, the transfer portal as a little bit more a reflection of like the organization of the, of the program, the ability to identify kids, be on them, uh, assess where you need to, to fill out a little bit more. I mean, I think one pretty significant extrapolation from a recruiting standpoint, from a positive perspective is the success that they've had at IMG here. I mean, those are not Florida kids. Those are, those are kids that you've got to sell on your program. You've got to get, uh, you know, you've got to make that relationship happen in a relatively quick period of time. Uh, I think that says an awful lot uh, and is a really good kind of harbinger of things to come. So then I, I guess. I, oh, can I interrupt for one more question? Because this is such a niche question that Ingram would know about that I have no way of knowing about. Um, just, you, you know, you talk to more recruits than we do, but is super plugged in. Um, if somehow you're listening to this and you don't listen to the Noel cast, like they're not our competitor. My question would be why? Like it's, probably one of the best podcasts out there to actually hear like recruiting and really know what's going on. So I have a question about the IMG kids. Is it almost harder to get like a California kid that comes over to IMG because like their, their kind of mentality is go to IMG for two years, then I get to come home. Um, or does it make it a little easier once they're over here or is there no consistency? And it's just like kid to kid. I just, I wonder what these little, like, you know, robots, minds are thinking that get shipped off to boarding school to become football elite yeah um i think it varies from kid to kid i also think it varies from position uh now maybe you look at this as contradictory <laughs> maybe you read into this more but a lot of times when these quarterbacks come from img particularly as a one-year situation they've got kind of a quarterback coach slash handler and sometimes that's even been in play from moving him to img so you know, of course, nothing official, uh, but perhaps a, a school, you know, would uh, would help in that process. And a lot of times, uh, maybe kind of a claim to the recruitment's already been made. Uh, maybe I'm making too much out of one or two circumstances that fit that profile. But I do think that that's more common. 
uh, at the quarterback position. I will change one thing that you said uh, just because of point of pride. I haven't talked to a recruit in like six years. Uh, so that's really nice. That's and uh, okay. I'm familiar enough with uh, coaches. And then I've made some friends uh, here in the local seven on scene that have helped me have information, but uh, I am, I, I don't know, man, that doesn't work for me. Talking to 18 year old kids is a, is a real challenge. Uh, so we have, we have the lucky cop out. Not that I don't want to be great at my job for y'all, but our listeners know like recruiting's not my thing. We have the cop out of being boosters. So yes, like it exactly. is compliance wise, just way too sticky to talk. Like I don't want to call a recruit in every five seconds. Be like, no, I'm not asking you this was a boost. It just, it'd be a waste of his time. He'd think I was weird. So we just, yeah. And the, last the same thing, way with recruits. And the last thing any of us want to do is just like jeopardize some kids, you know, eligibility before it comes in. And recruiting is moving in a direction, man, where it's not like most of the time by these kids are seniors. Like there's just, no, there's no story there. So what does that mean? It means you start calling freshmen in high school and you, you, sir, don't need to be calling freshmen in high school. Uh, so yeah, recruiting scenes in a little bit of an interesting state. That extends also to do not DM them, do not at them on Twitter, and do not DM on IG, folks. Because trust me, I heard enough of that crap just all over seeing on the timeline. <laughs> Don't do that. It's it's weird and it's not okay. But going back to you saying how like it's easier to you know sell these kids to FSU because they're at IMG. Let's go how Norvell has sold him himself, you know, to you. So after the first year, basically, where do you fall right now on the Norvell hype train? And also second part of my question would be like, where do you think he actually is by the end of this, his first current contract, the five-year contract? Um, so I'm incredibly optimistic where Mike Norvell is. I'm not trying to tease <laughs> for the Noel cast, uh, but I, there is something that I'm looking to confirm right now before I talk about it uh, that I, if it's true, then like Mike Norvell's planning to be here for like 20 years. Right. Um, he is a, uh, you know, he certainly appears to be a good fit uh, as far as his relationship with uh, with the board of trustees and, and some of the broader groups that you have to get along with and, and have their support to be successful. Uh, I think he's incredibly um, successful in a booster setting. I, I have not talked to anyone that has spoken individually with Mike Norvell and not come away with the perception that that man was legitimately and authentically listening to me and interested in what I was saying. Um, he, he does really well in that setting. Also remembering things, bringing them back up. He's just a, you know, really impressive guy. Now, does he have the energy and the drive to do that right now? Yeah, he does. Is he necessarily going to want to, you know, be as, uh, you know, involved in stuff like that two to three years from now. Yeah. Let's hope that he doesn't have to be. Uh, but right now this program needs somebody that's going to do, you know, kind of small, almost retail booster uh, b boostering, if that makes sense from a political perspective, Max. I mean, you got to go to the, the eight person fundraiser right now uh, and, and work at a really small level. So um, I think it's a really good fit. We'll have to see what the results look like. Uh, on the field, but he certainly laid the framework in recruiting. He's, he's made up an awful lot of room in making relationships in the state of Florida. He's done a real good job with the graduate assistants that he's brought on to kind of booster that. Uh, I don't make anything of the Randy Shannon hire and don't think that was necessarily a great hire or a bad hire. Uh, and if we get any kid from Florida and anybody... <laughs> whether it be message board poster or Twitter user or anything else identifies a Randy Shannon is playing a role in it. Uh, I'll be exceptionally skeptical and, you know, we'll have to see what that looks like, but uh, the GAs have been great. I think all things, uh, 
all things being equal, he's he's done a really good job um, post 2020 season. So we'll have to see if it carries over. Uh, being off season national champion doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, if you go out and you know lose two thirds of your ACC games or whatever else, uh, but as of right now, I I think Mike Norvell's done a really good job. So he gets the extension after this after this contract. You're thinking? I think uh, it, it's almost certain. Okay. Folks, you know what time it is. It's time for me to tell y'all that the summer isn't coming up. It's here. So we got to, you know, we really got to make good health decisions. We can't be eating candy bars and chips as our snacks. We got to get something that's going to feed our muscles with protein and keep our waistline slim that by knocking out the carbs and sugar. And there's one product that does that. It's Built Bar. All right. There's 18 different flavors. Each one has between 17 grams and 19 grams of protein if you get the... uh get the uh, peanut butter brownie. And I just want to give a shout out, by the way, to my boy Joey Henriquez, fraternity brother, Phi Delta Theta, proud St. Thomas Aquinas alumnus as well. Played a little corner back there back in the day. Uh, he sent me a snap the other day and he ordered himself a variety pack. So I'll let y'all know what his favorite flavor is. I'm still locked into peanut butter brownie, but maybe I'll feel crazy and I'll try some new flavors in June. Who knows? You know, we'll have a little test, but go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, Grab 15% off your order. Get fit now. Thank me later. That is that is phenomenal optimism to hear. And, you know, look, I'm I'm pumped for a summer of elite lies. And I, I hope that it just like continues over next year. Ingram, we greatly appreciate you being here. Again, folks, if you don't listen to the Nolcast, it's I guess during the offseason, y'all kind of alternate Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, but look for it Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday once a week. It's, it's a hell of a podcast and uh, it's, a, you know, it's just, it's, it's the pinnacle of, of FSU podcasting. Before we let you go, we have a couple personal questions. We like to take each of our, uh, each of our guests down, you know, so that way your listeners that are here for the day, get to know you a little bit better. First question is you were a wrestler back in the day. Um, so let's say, there's a large sum of money put forward or perhaps a loved one's life is on the line. I don't know what, what compels you to do this, but you have to fight an alligator and it is, it's to the death, Mm -hmm. but you get to pick the arena. Where would you choose what setting to fight this alligator in a man on beast death match? (laughs) Okay. Um, all right, so I'm gonna want something that provides me the ability to like change my levels. Uh, so somewhere where I can either climb or hopefully be able to establish some kind of level off the ground to which I can then throw said things at alligator. Um, I'm gonna want to encounter a where uh, an alligator in a large warehouse. That's what I'm gonna want. Like uh, that's you know otherwise being used by Amazon to send us toilet paper and paper towels and everything else. But that's the setting I want. I want to be able to climb up those levels. Who knows, maybe find something in a uh, uh, palletized uh, sealed wrap up there that I can get into and begin to begin to inflict pain from above. So then I guess from your, for with your wrestling background, and we talked, I think like about a month ago, uh, we broke down that video, the Oklahoma state, uh, Oklahoma uh, wide receiver getting beat up in the bathroom. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to ask you, I ask actually every single um, uh, guest that comes on here, are you a fan of, I guess, you know, the mixed martial arts or the UFC at all? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I've watched some. I'm not a, a diehard fan at all. But, uh, I mean, I you know, there's just certain 
Yeah, there's just certain things like you could tell two seconds like oh you're gonna get the absolute shit kicked out of you you chose like the that wrong kid. person to fight with <laughs> and not only that kid that kid got pummeled right dude mm-hmm. the other yeah. kid is the guy who i thought took the ass kicking the guy who's uh pinned against the wall there and has a little even smaller guy but the little small guy's just throwing his knee into the guy's head and stuff that is uh you know that that I think yeah. both of them got it pretty badly, but uh, yeah, I was, I was concerned for both of them and, and also uh, <laughs> not too concerned that they both took a absolute ass beating one that from the uh, little bit of information that we had to judge appeared to be uh, warranted. So. Yeah. The denim jacket really, really sold it for me. I, 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 I don't even know if this is a question or a thought that you can just expand on, but as, as former wrestlers, you know, people talk about uh, Nico Markiel, wrestling and i kind of made the point on our podcast i was like he's like 205 210 pounds right think about what the average like 205 pounder looks like in high school like imagine nico Mar- sure he's a quarterback in this setting but in the wrestling say like most 205s are not like athletic kids so i i can't imagine like watching him walk into a gym and you know you have your typical guy like eats a lot of chinese food like right yeah Oh, yeah. coach, that's that kid with I can actually see his deltoids and his triceps are different parts of the arm. I have to wrestle to wrestle him. And then, you know, so so anyway, so I said that in a way of like, I don't want to devalue his experience, but he's probably at that weight class, the most athletic kid in the state. But what like, I guess what benefits do you as a former wrestler think it might give a quarterback? Because like I know what it can do for a linebacker. I know what it could do for alignment. Mm-hmm. Those are obvious. But yeah. what do you think a quarterback takes from that sport? Um, you know, probably more of it's mental and stuff like that. But I will say that, uh, if you're looking for actual stuff that translates to in game, that, uh, wrestling, I thought was the best thing I ever did in developing my hands, uh, and hand strength and grip strength and stuff like that. I mean, you know, Nico, it's going to be tough to rip the ball off Nico, I would imagine. Um, and at the same time, you know, maybe he's, Maybe he can, uh, I don't want to necessarily encourage it, although I don't know that we'll see a ton of Nico playing at Florida State. But, uh, you know, I I don't want him necessarily trying this all the time if he does become a quarterback. But, you know, maybe there's a time where you can uh, just have a a little bit of (laughs) an arm push away or can create space for himself in the pocket that uh, wouldn't otherwise be there. But that's of the things that I take away from wrestling from an actual football perspective. That's what would immediately come to mind. That's not where I thought you were going to go when, when you were prefacing all that. I thought you were going to say like, you know, maybe one time he'll, you'll just see him real quick, grab an underhook, step through and hit a hard hip toss on like a linebacker after you'll the play. see him, Timmy J somebody uh, <laughs> after, after a play. Yeah. Oh, no, Lord. that hip toss that Jernigan threw on the Miami linebacker. I still, I, I oh. feel like I should break that down to Pruder style. Maybe, maybe once a season. Uh, you should make that to an NFT man and sell that off. Just glorious, bro. I mean, that was one of the best things I've seen. That was incredible. Made so, all the better by, uh, was it Harris? The court? No, it wasn't Harris. It was whoever the next guy was. But just sitting there like, what? Well, but ref, ref, <laughs> <laughs> my, my lineman just got tossed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, dude. I guess, so my last question, and you can have no opinion on this, but I, we had a whole discussion about last week and it's just in my mind and, you know, you are a Georgian um, by, by birth and by blood and it, how, how much longer do you think Kirby Smart gets at UGA if he doesn't win a title? Do you think he's cemented himself with these, or do you think he will eventually get the Rick's treatment of like, dude, 
you're bringing in a top three class every year and you still aren't putting hardware in the trophy case. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think, I think when it happens, we'll be able to see fairly quickly. I mean, Georgia has been, mm, I don't think I'm, you know, breaking news here. If I tell you that Georgia has been supported in an off the field manner, almost in a level where no program has been. So if yep. that slips, you know, the idea that Georgia signed six or seven, five stars is not, <laughs> is not necessarily while always being a good recruiting school and, and being fortunate enough to be in one of the richest, if not the, you know, the richest uh, metropolitan area uh, of all of high school football that we'll see it pretty quickly. You know, again, yep. uh, you're not signing three, five stars along the defensive line. If you don't have full booster support, I'll put it that way. Right. Um, I do think that uh, it's going to be tough though. I mean, Georgia fans, uh, they obviously they want this, the championship, but you know, like when I was growing up, Georgia would be every year would think they were going to go nine and two and they ended up going seven and six. Uh, you know, there is not some prolonged level of excellence there. Uh, also Kirby, when I was growing up, uh, I was never a Georgia fan. Um, and I think I talked to you all about that on last uh, episode, but I love, I love Kirby smart. I mean, Kirby smart was a five foot 10 white guy. That was a hell of a defensive player. I mean, I, I loved him. He was one of the favorite players of Georgia at that time. Uh, he was an all sec guy who really, you know, was a was more talented than a walk-on certainly, but, you know, obviously was, was making <laughs> all the use of his talent that he could. And his dad is a, you know, I don't know if his dad's a Georgia high school icon. I think that's probably hyperbole, but his dad is a significant figure in Georgia high school football, particularly Southwest Georgia. Uh, Kirby is, you know, celebrate, uh, enjoyed a level of success on the recruiting trail, uh, which is not uncommon for Georgia, but he's had a level of success in Southeast Georgia, which is normally an area that, you know, Auburn, Alabama, or Florida State have a have a little bit more traditional success than Georgia. So uh, all those things together, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough for that not to work out uh, in Georgia and Kirby's favor eventually. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where me and Max are kind of the same sentiment with you, because basically you can't be, you can't have all the success. I mean, sorry, all that you know, benefits for you and then not translate the success over to the field or else you could be like Jim Harbaugh. You could do that. Maybe and be mediocre and just get a, a nice little extension for now, doing what, nothing. What would escalate the process of frustration, uh, if, if, as I make up a phrase there, um, is if he has another situation where he sends – you know, Justin Fields packing because he wants to play, uh, you know, Jake freaking farm or something like that. If he, <laughs> if he mishandles the quarterback position again, or some level of roster management that he butcher, you know, botches or butchers, then that will escalate this process yep. in a much different manner. I, yeah. I keep, I keep saying last question, but you just, you know, you're like, a, you say these things and I'm like, all right, I got to ask him about that before he leaves. Um, what do you think was, a worse is like more illogical or ridiculous him choosing not to start Justin Fields or the army of Georgia fans on Twitter who still back that decision and think it was absolutely the right call. And that Justin Fields was a total fluke at Ohio state or whatever lies they've told themselves. Yeah. I think that's just, you know, dealing with a pain. I mean, the idea that they <laughs> kicked a kid out from Marietta that could have won a national championship for him so that they could stay with, you know, the, the Jake Barker of their era, the Jay Barker of their era, uh, 
you know, trying to be Alabama and win a national championship with a guy that, you know, would otherwise be in a seven and four quarterback or something like that. Uh, and Fromm was a better prospect than that. That's probably not fair for me to say, but uh, yeah, that's got to hurt. You know, that's got to hurt that you got a kid from Metro Atlanta who, uh, you know, could have paid recruiting dividends for you for another 15 or 20 years and uh, ultimately sent him to Ohio State. Yeah, I would have lied on Twitter, too, if that was the case with that. One of my last questions, and actually I'm stealing this from Max from our notes right now. So say it's a Friday night. It's a three-day weekend. you got no work on Monday. you got the entire house, the apartment to yourself. What are you doing to kind of like set it all, to take all of that in and kind of take your night to the fullest? What's a great night in for Ingram Smith? A Friday night? Uh, I can tell you that I have not watched a Braves game this year. I have almost listened uh, to all of them. I really enjoy baseball on the radio. Um, listening to either baseball or uh, like a public radio jazz station or something like that, and drinking uh, some wonderfully peated scotch. That is, that is probably the best Friday night there is for me. It's uh, it's wonderful. I and can if, do it uh, the Braves, to be honest with you, though. Be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a tough year. But I, I don't. Watch, I, I, I listen to it. I don't even game. really love the Braves. I just kind of like listening to baseball on the radio. It's uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a reincarnation of a guy that was uh, bopping around in the 1910s oh, no, or I, something like that. I'm, I'm a sure. Marlins fan. I listen to our Marlins games on the radio because I don't get them up here. So I'm right there with you. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't have the uh, the attention. Like I got to be doing three things at once at all times. So like I like I can't watch a movie without also being on my phone. It's horrible. So yeah. The radio, I like I've tried to do audio books, anything in radio, I zone out, can't hear it. So I am very jealous. Not that, that I'm like pushing it, Max, but that that is what I enjoy is that it is not uh, uh, like a monopolizer of what um, I'm doing is I can actually look at, uh, you know, Twitter or read an article or something like that and just kind of have a game existing in the background without, you know, watching every pitch or whatever else. That's a good point. I'm going to have to try it. One thing I'm going to try this year too. And this is going to like, cause I think I'm, you know, I'm pushing 30 now and I've got a kid. So I, I don't think people will like just beat me up for doing dorky things. Like I think those days are gone. Like no one's going to give me a wedgie or a swirly or whatever. So this year I really want to do the thing where you like listen to Gene Deckerhoff's radio cast mm. while you're in dope Campbell. Yeah. Cause I feel like, like you always see the old dorky guys doing that, but I feel like you gain a lot from hearing commentary while watching the game. Like, I don't know. So definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a, there's a, a lot to be garnered from, from that. And that, uh, yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I'm about of the time to where, uh, you know, I'm listening to what people say in the stands is just a negative proposition in general for me. I've either, you know, I'm either going to tell them they're wrong or tell them that I don't need, <laughs> don't need you screaming that in my ear or whatever else. Uh, so yeah, I may be, you know, the, the noise cancellation, listening to, to Gene and the team, maybe exactly uh, a step that I follow as well. Exactly, man. Old man radio Walkman club is what we'll call ourselves. And I'm going to cut him off before he can tell me that's a stupid name. Ingram in all seriousness. Thanks for being here. Ingram Smith of the Nolcast and Max, from Locked On Seminoles, obviously, and joined by my co-pilot, Drake. Take care, everybody.